Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. something to title this and my title is Sunday 11 7 21 <laughs> maybe we'll figure something out later let's pray we love you Jesus thank you Lord for your goodness and your mercy ask you Lord for your blessing Lord ask you Lord for your blessing Lord 
Touch everyone that is here. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's an account. Actually, a couple of accounts. Both in Numbers and Deuteronomy. Of a time when Israel came to the land of the Amorites. And in Numbers 21 and 21, it says that Israel sent messengers unto Sihon. And I've preached on this and others have preached on that. The king of the Amorites saying, let me pass through thy land. We will not turn into the fields or into the vineyards. We will not drink of the waters of the well. But we will go along by the king's highway until we be past thy borders. It was a time in the history of Israel and they had been in the wilderness for a long time. Aaron was about to die and Miriam had already died. Moses was going to not too long after go to the heights of Pisgah and uh, and there see the land of Canaan but not pass into it. But they were going through the land and they came to the land of the Amorites. And this was a land but it wasn't their promised land. And they said to them, we want to pass through your land. We don't want to stop here. We don't want to drink of your well. We don't want to go into your fields or into your vineyards. We just want to pass through. They were getting close to the time of crossing the river into the land of Canaan. And at that point, all they wanted to do was pass through that land and get home. They just wanted to go home. Amen. I am, I'm going to tell you a little story. I'm sure some of you know it probably pretty well. But I just felt early this morning to talk about my father, about my dad. And in standing there with Brother Rue, they were close for many, many, many years. And uh, But my dad was born in the West Monroe, Louisiana area. I hope you don't get bored with this because I am really going somewhere. Yes, sir. <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly where, but I'm sure the Lord will find it for me. Uh, uh, my dad was born in, in the West Monroe, Louisiana area. Actually, I think it may have been in Alto, which was quite a little town at one time, and I don't think there's hardly anything there. In about 90, in 1932, in January 1932, and in 1941, his family got in a Model A car, and the whole bunch of them, except for my Uncle Bubba, we're Southerners. We were Southerners, so we had Uncle Bubba's. Um, except for Uncle Bubba, uh, got in that Model A car and running about 25 miles an hour, took six days to drive across to Kerman, California. And they landed there in about 1941. My grandfather was a oneness apostolic preacher. When he came to Kerman. They went to a church there called Whitesbridge Church. And um, it's quite a, uh, quite has quite the history. It's on Whitesbridge Road. There was great healings and great revivals and 
pioneers of the gospel that were there. It has since then fell into apostasy. But at one time it was quite the church. I believe my dad was baptized there. About 1949, I would guess. He was 17 years old. But he didn't receive the Holy Ghost until, I believe, around 1953, 52, 53. And he received it. He may have received it at White's Bridge at a revival. But he attended the church in Ninth and Low in Fresno, California, that was pastored by Brother Murray Lane. Amen. Don't get don't don't go to sleep on me. Okay. Amen. It was pastored by Murray Lane. It's a church that Elder Morton pastors in uh, Fresno today. It's moved a lot, but but an interesting thing. I mentioned this not too long ago. The brother brother one his pastor uh, in Phoenix, Brother Garrett comes also comes out of the Fresno Church. Um, brother, uh, the church that my father came to the Lord in, Ninth and Low, was sold several years later. You may have been here when I talked about this. It was sold several years later to a Catholic church. It was a Catholic church for years. But just a few years ago, Brother, um, oh, what is his name? Uh, what, what was the guy? He just recently resigned, but he was a pastor there before Brother after Brother Morton, Tim. Anyway, the pastor there bought that building. Nobody knows. Amen. Amen. I thought Brother Warren. Yeah, I, I know. I know his name. I just can't remember it. But uh, um, he uh, he he bought that building, and now they have a Spanish work in in uh, in Fresno in the building where my dad first came to the Lord. Preaching the apostolic truth, which is exciting to me. But he went there to Ninth and Low. I don't remember Ninth and Low. I was too young. But that is where my father and my mother attended. My mom had been baptized uh, about in 1946 and received the Holy Ghost at Elder I.H. Terry's Church in Bakersfield, which is, has tremendous legacy. Uh, he, was, he was Brother Ray Brown's pastor. My mother was baptized, received the Holy Ghost there. But it was a very unstable time in their walk with God. And I want you to understand something. Many of you are coming up in the Lord right now. In fact, a majority of you are relatively, maybe not real new, but relatively, relatively new in the faith. And, and if you're not careful, you can find yourself in an unstable situation. And that's where my uh, father and mother found themselves. Uh, unfortunately, uh, not unfortunately, he was called to the ministry, but unfortunately, um, after he was called to the ministry, my dad still had some of Cora Jones in him. You don't know who Cora Jones is? Cora Jones is my, was my grandmother, and she was as ornery as a rattlesnake, uh, and, uh, and she was stubborn, and uh, my dad had some of that and he got, he, he had felt the call to preach, but hadn't got the idea and the concept of submitting himself to the man of God. And, uh, and he left the church in a split and everything went south. And so he went over there with, the, uh, with Cody and Joe. There were some people that started this church. He went over there with them and then he took off and went evangelizing. He went evangelizing out of the will of God. 
I do believe he should have went and submitted himself to his pastor. He went evangelizing, took a church, uh, an independent and very rough church in Mississippi, in rural Mississippi, a place where at night uh, the, uh, the denizens, if you will, the citizens of the town or the area, I don't even know if it was much of a town, would come and open up the windows of the church that he pastored because they didn't like Pentecostals and stick chickens in there. So when he would come in uh, in the morning, there would be a church full of chickens, uh, which sometimes are more um, reliable and, uh, never mind, um, but... Uh, they would be full of chickens, and the chickens had made a mess, and Dad would have to go in and clean up the mess. And it was that way for a while until there was a fella in town who was some of, somewhat of the criminal element, but he was big, he was mean, and everybody was scared of him, and he took a liking to my dad, and he told the folks, if you put chickens in that church again, you're going to have to deal with me. He didn't stay there a long time. He went later on, he was voted in as pastor somewhere along the Natchez Trace in Tennessee, but he never went to take the church. And after a while, he wandered back, him and Mom and Karen and, uh, and, uh, and Kurt, uh, my brother and sister, uh, wandered back to um, California, made their way back to Fresno. Conrad was born, and then I was born. And right in that area there, my dad had an epiphany. He looked at his family, and he looked at everything that was going on, and he saw how holiness had begun to depart from his wife and from his children and from his family. And he told my mom, he said, we're going back to Brother Lane's church. If I have to eat crow, I'll eat crow, but I'm going to submit myself to my pastor. We're going to go back to Brother Lane's church. He went back to Brother Lane. He said, Brother Lane, will you let us come back to church? He said, and this is nine, ten years after they left. I was thinking about this while I was writing my notes down. What, what, what could have happened if he had gotten that idea ten years earlier? Instead, there was this kind of a wasted time of just wandering around in the wilderness. Amen. And, and I've thought about that. But he did. He, got, he went back to Brother Lane and he expected Brother Lane to come down like a ton of bricks on him. And Brother Lane said, come on back. And he didn't, and he didn't, he didn't require anything of my dad. My dad said, anything you want me to, to do, I will do. And there's a lot of stories in there I won't go into. But after several years, when I was about four years old, we moved up under the auspices of True Tabernacle. There was United Pentecostal Church before it was named True Tabernacle. Um, uh, we moved to San Joaquin, California, and my dad started a church. Uh, my first memories of church was in a church on Harvey and Thesson, Fresno. And, and one thing that has kind of got me is I go outside and these kids were about my age, three or four years old, uh, are playing on those railings. And my first memory of church is playing on the railings at the church at Harvey and Thesta, which no longer exists. It was torn down to build uh, the 41 freeway. So he went to San Joaquin, and one of my memories of church there is a brush arbor, where Dad built a brush arbor to hold church uh, in the beginning. After that, we moved to Clovis. Clovis was a small 
town that was a suburb of Fresno. It's a large uh, city of its own now, but it's next to, to Fresno. And we moved there. Dad started a church there. Bought a little building, building from the Assembly of God that was in the area and began a church. And to this day, it is still there. It is pastored by one of Brother Morton's men uh, there in Clovis. Uh, and, uh, and he was there. Then he went over to Selma, California, which was a really neat time. We were there with Brother and Sister Parks. Brother Rick knows him. He prayed through when Brother Parks was preaching here. And, uh, and he, uh, we went over there. My dad assisted Brother Parks in Selma. And then a few years after we went there, he, uh, he moved to Sanger, or he pastored. He didn't move out of Selma. We stayed in Selma. Moved to Sanger, California, another suburb of Fresno, and took a church there and pastored it for several years. So in the late part of 1974, and, and this, is, this is what I'm doing. I'm giving you a little history. In the late part of 1974, my dad had an excellent job at Producers Oil Company. My brother Rude will probably remember that name. He worked in, in oil, uh, cotton gins, and brother Rick would probably remember that. Um, Producers Oil Company was a cotton gin, made cotton oil, I guess that's where that came from. And uh, dad had a good job. He was a warehouse man for the area all around uh, Fresno, and he, he made good money. He had bought a house, actually two houses, that were next to each other, and uh, and we it was there. It was not a fancy home. It it, it actually had been at one time. Um, it was a large home and a nice two bedroom uh, house behind that. And it was it was a large home which needed work, but it was a beautiful old home. Uh, the big wraparound uh, porch. It was probably built in the early part of the century. The gingerbread around the church uh, porch, and Dad began to paint and work and fix it up. And and I was sure there were monsters in the closet of that old house. I want you to know. I remember laying in my bed and looking there and thinking, I wish I had closed the door. Amen. But uh, so um, we uh, we lived there. We had that house. We had both houses. My brother Kurt married my my married Dina. They moved in behind in the house behind. Uh, we had this place. Dad was fixing it up. Um, he, he, he did a lot too. We were there for about five years. And, and every couple of years, the, the, the head honchos of Producers Oil Company would get a new Oldsmobile. And, uh, and Oldsmobiles were nice cars back then. I don't know if they even make them now, but they were nice cars back then. We had a 98, and we had an 88, and, uh, and, uh, and so they would drive those for about two years and have 15,000, 20,000 miles on them, and Dad would buy them at an extremely reduced price. So every couple of years we'd have this, Dad would pull up in this nice Oldsmobile, and we were like, whoa. Somebody asked me one day, one of the kids saw our house, said, are you guys rich? And I thought, I don't think so. <laughs> we weren't. But, uh, but God had blessed us. There were some good things happening. And, uh, and my dad could have worked there. And he could have retired in comfort every two years driving a new Oldsmobile. Or maybe at, at the end he might have been driving a Ford F-150 or something. I don't know. But he could have retired in comfort. But something got in my dad's spirit. And... 
We thought we were in the middle of everything there. California people used to think that there was nothing like California and you were a little subhuman if you weren't in California. Now we look over at California and we think, you suckers need to get out of there. <laughs> and uh, and I, I just, <laughs> we, we thought we were, and Dad gets something in his spirit. He gets something in his gut, man. And somehow or another, he makes contact. Uh, he was actually with the Harlem Gray. And, uh, and, and we moved to Saffron. Now, the only person in this church today that was here when we moved to Saffron is Sister Anna. Brother Ruben and Sister Betty had been here before, but they were backslidden. <laughs> and uh, they came back about what year? About, it was, it was not long now, about 76, 77, somewhere in there. And uh, so, so we came to Saffron. I took to it like a duck to water. I loved it when we pulled up. We'd come and visit here a couple times before, and I thought it was the greatest place in the world. I still think it's the greatest place in the world. I love Saffron. They'll bury me in Saffron. Amen. Y'all can't run me off. Don't marry me anytime soon. But, uh, but I, I love it here. I, people say, well, I, I don't like it. I say, well, you know, go somewhere else. But I love it here. Amen. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. It's my home. I don't even feel like I'm from California. But uh, so, amen. And by the way, we, uh, we rescued my mother-in-law from California. <laughs> so here we are. But I'm going to tell you all something. We came to Saffron. And we were poor as Job's turkey. We didn't have much. We lived in a little apartment behind the church there. It was two bedrooms. And we made a closet. I'm telling y'all, it was basically a closet into another bedroom. Which was me and my brother's bedroom. We built bunk beds in there. We had a closet that was about gay bed. And you, get, you had to kind of move this way to get past each other. And a little dresser at the end, and that's where we stayed. We lived there for years. I know there were times when my dad had almost no money. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not going to blame Sister, Sister Anna for this, because she was only about eight years old when we came. Nine? Something like that. So she, she probably wasn't the one. That most of the church, my brother made a comment, said most of the church didn't like y'all. Like us, he didn't want us here. That's probably true. Hammonds weren't here at the time. Neither was Crump. Amen. So I'm not getting on y'all either. But it was just, it was just hard. Amen. But Brother Ruben, Sister Hammond, Sister Betty, know what, know what I'm talking about. It was just hard. It was difficult. And, and I watched my dad go through a lot of different things. And deal with a lot of different things. But I'm going to tell you something I found out about my father. And, I, and I, like I said, I'm going to. I know this is different. Right. I, I mean, yeah. we were strangers here when we came. I'm not anymore. I can't hardly imagine anything else. Yeah. But we were strangers here. And I watched my dad. I watched him cry at times at night. And I watched my mom live off of first store stuff. And, and one time, one time, without my dad knowing my mom, one time, went and got food stamps 
And when my dad found out, he blew his top and went and made her get off the food stamps. Because <laughs> my dad, it's possible he may have had a little pride. <laughs> Self-respect, whatever you want to call it. Amen. But we struggle. I'll tell you what, though. We ate a lot. Sister Betty, we ate a lot of that cheese. <laughs> Some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. Amen. But we ate a lot of commodity cheese. And we, we, uh, we, we drove old vehicles. Sometimes they were, they were hand-me-downs from the Hammonds, I think. <laughs> or Dad would get some. And fortunately, we had Brother Rube in the church. Because he could fix them. <laughs> I was telling my wife, we were driving down past the Apostolic Church yesterday, going to Sister Rachel's uh, funeral. And as, as, we or as we left, I said, Sister Pauline used to live right here. And I said, I said, right over here was where Brother Reuben and Sister Betty lived. And I said, I remember one time, Brother Reuben and I were sitting out, standing out there. I think we were working on my Datsun truck because we were always working on my Datsun pickup truck. It was a 1966 Datsun pickup truck. And we're working on it. And down the road, Billy Wayne, which was Sister Pauline's son, he passed away a year or two ago. Billy Wayne was up in the tree in the Lutz's uh, uh, front yard cutting limbs. Uh, and we looked over there just in time. I don't know if Brother Ruben remembers this or not. To see him drop a limb into the power lines. And it looked like 4th of July at the Lutz's house. <laughs> and he was in a tree and he couldn't go anywhere. But we sure did hear him. And I will not repeat some of the things he said. Amen. But they were, they were there. And that's the way we lived. We lived, we lived hard. Amen. We lived, we lived close to the vest. Amen. I, I, we didn't hardly ever buy new clothes. We, we were hand-me-downs all the time. Sometimes it was just a little money here and a little money there. But I found out and, and I felt for my mother because, because she never really had anything nice. And it didn't matter to mom. But I found out something about my dad. He did not care about things. He really didn't care about things. Dad didn't have to have the, 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 the newest truck. In fact, I don't know, other than that, Dawson, I don't know if Dad ever had a truck. He had the old suburban thing that I'd like to have and you'd probably like to have again now. Amen. Amen. 1960 Suburban Apache. We were crazy. Get rid of that thing, Elder. Amen. But uh, but we, <laughs> Brother Rick knows that. I don't know what came over us with that one. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But uh, we just, we didn't, he never had anything fancy. But Dad didn't care. There was only two things that my dad cared about. And that was the church. And that was his family. And nothing else mattered in life to him. He didn't care if he had the nicest suit. He bought his jackets at the thrift store. Which I'm glad to do that too if I can find one big enough to fit me. Amen. He bought his shoes at yard sales. Amen. It was terrible when dad went to yard sales. He'd go in. Dad. I remember pulling up the yard sales. And they'd be done. And they'd see, they'd see my dad. They'd say, there, there comes a sucker. And they'd say, you know what? We need to get rid of all this stuff. Would you like to take it off? Dad would go, yeah. 
You know we still got some of that junk in that shed back there? It's all junk. Yeah. Why do you want this stuff? But that was dad. Raised in the, in the depression. He hoarded things sometimes. He didn't care about things. He didn't care about things. He didn't have fancy stuff. He didn't have fancy stuff. He didn't care about sports. He didn't care, amen, about hunting or fishing or any of that kind of stuff. Dad cared about the things of the Lord. He wasn't the greatest preacher in the world. Amen. He was the greatest father. Amen. He wasn't, he, sometimes he wasn't the greatest pastor in the world, but he did everything he could because all he really cared about was what God wanted him to do. He pulled himself and his family up from a great job and became a pastor of a church that, to be honest with you, didn't even care about him at the time. Here's something I want you to know. This church is the greatest church I know anywhere. I love you guys, and I know y'all love me. When y'all gave me that painting the other day, Sister Lacey, it, it tore me up. I felt the love from this church. Amen. But my dad, he battled, battled, and battled. Paul said this. He said, I fought the beast in Ephesus. He said, he said, I go through all kinds of stuff. Amen. I stand in jeopardy every hour. And if you begin to look at 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, you begin to see some things. Amen. He said this at one point. And I look at the apostle Paul in Philippians, the third chapter, and the fourth verse. He said, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, in any other man, if any other man thinketh that he hath worth, he might trust in the flesh. I more, he said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. What he's saying is I had the best of Jewish society. I had the training and the opportunity, no doubt, to be a wealthy man. He was a tent mayor maker by trade, which may not sound glamorous, but it was a very profitable business. And if he had devoted himself only to that, he probably could have been wealthy. He was a teacher or a rabbi of the law. He was lauded and approved, but he cared for none of that. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. He said, yeah, doubtless. I know this is a different message. I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dumb, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that is which is to the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. We get to look at the first Corinthians of 15th chapter. We find some fascinating scriptures. Intriguing scriptures. First of all, I'm just going to run through and give you an overview. He lays out the gospel. Then he talks about the resurrection of Christ. and tells them how our faith is in vain without that resurrection. Right. He talks about his own struggles with adversity. 
said, why stand we in jeopardy of the dead? He said, I died daily. Like I said, likely not referring necessarily to the death of repentance, but to the daily danger of dying that he dealt with. He said, I fought the beasts of Ephesus. Second Corinthians 11 chapter, he said of this, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was bit, beaten with rock. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I had been in the deep, in journeyings often, perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen. He's saying I've been in danger, endangered by all of these. Uh, in perils in the city, in perils or dangers in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Not only have I had to deal with the heathens outside of the church, but I've had to deal with the heathens inside of the church. Amen. In weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things which were without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all churches. He said, I've been through the ringer. I've dealt with it all. Amen. Amen. But at the end of all that, at the end of that, in, 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 uh, in 1 Corinthians, the 50th chapter, amen, he said, I count it all loss. He goes on, he talks a little bit more. He talks about the resurrected body. And then he begins to wrap it all up. At the end of the chapter, he wraps it all up. He says, behold, I show you a mystery. He's talked about all these things. He said, I, 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 had, I had everything. I was on top of the world, if you will. I had my future ahead of me. I persecuted the church. I gained favor because of that. And then I threw it all away. And in the midst of all of that, what has happened to me, I didn't get rich when I came to the Lord. If you come to the Lord to get rich, you might as well go somewhere else. Now there are people that get rich in the church. God saves rich people like He does anybody else. It seems impossible with man, but with God all things are possible. Amen. And people come to the church and they are blessed of God. And they prosper financially because they're faithful to God. And God does great things for them. But if you think God is interested in you becoming a millionaire or a billionaire, you've got another thing coming. Amen. You've got to get your head screwed on straight and pointed right. Because that is not what it's about. If God blesses you, God bless you. Good thing. I hope he does. I hope you get more money than you know what to do with that. But that better not be your driving force. It better not be what you live for. These jokers who get up and preach this garbage prosperity gospel are going to split hell wide open if they're not careful. Because that is not the word of God. Jesus said, foxes have holes, uh, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Uh, amen. Paul gave him himself. You've got to look at it. There are times when we say, I've got to live for God. It doesn't matter. Somehow, how long I've got to live for God. It may not always be easy. I need to tell you all something.
the end of it all, after he's talked about that, here's what I have had, what's happened to me. The gospel was given to me. That makes it good all the way around. The gospel is giving me. I'm going to tell you something. I feel, I, I feel a little sensitive today. A little emotional. There's something about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection of the saints. And the resurrected Christ. And the power it has in my life and your life. He says the gospel is given to me. And I suffered. I went through it. I went to the mill. He said, I suffered here. I gave up everything. I gave up all that stuff. I counted all as manure. I counted all as dumb. I counted as stuff that's not worth anything. And he said, and then I suffered. He talked about it in the next book. I went through this, and I went through this, and I went through this, and I went through this. I suffered through the whole thing. I suffered through the whole thing. But then at the end of it, he said, first... Corinthians in the 15th chapter of the first verse, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. You know what? None of that stuff matters. I know my dad gave it all up and never had much. But behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What are you saying, Paul? It's all going to be worth it all. Yeah. Amen. A verse kept running through my mind. 4.30 in the morning, a verse was running through my mind. For we know, I preach it all the time. For we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to His purpose. For we know, I know, whatever happens in this life, whatever I go through, whatever I have to deal with, we are going to be changed. The corruptible will become incorruptible. The mortal will become immortal. And I'll walk on streets of gold. One of the hardest things that ever happened to me that I ever experienced, probably told you this. When my father was dying. I would go at times and I would go over there. I was living in Mesa at the time. I would go and I would stay with him and help him. His wife was not strong enough. 
I feel like she was strong enough to, you know, deal with him a lot of the time and needed a break. And, and uh, so <clears throat> I would go over there. I remember one night in particular. We're setting up. He was in his. He had a. He had a. He had a rocker. He had a recliner. It was one of those electric ones that that would help help you stand up. You know that some of y'all have probably seen those. I think y'all have one to help you stand up. So it would. So he couldn't stand up on his own, but it would it would pick him up and I could help him up. But he got to the point that he couldn't really get around anywhere at all. And. Uh, Neither one of us could sleep that night. I was on the couch across from him. I had made a bed there. He was in the recliner. We were just talking about things. I play music sometimes. I knew. We knew. All of us knew. My dad was about to leave this mortal plane. He was going to be passing on to be with the Lord. We knew that. But we sat there looking for a little bit of normalcy and talking about plans. I know that sounds silly, but we're like, I'd like us to do this. Maybe we could do that. Maybe we can get together at some point. Down the road, we'll take a trip here. We'll go eat there. We'll do whatever. And um, Dad made a comment at that point. He said, you know, son, he said, when I get to where I can walk again, he said, I, and he stopped. And he looked at me, he said, I'm never going to walk again, am I? And I just, he said, it's just like my, my heart fell in my stomach. I mean, what do you say at that point? That those, are, those are those situations that you don't know what to say. I think I mentioned this not too long ago, Brother Delton Fair, a wonderful man of God. One day I'm at Guinea's and he calls me. I pick up the phone. I have my cell phone. I stepped outside. I said, Brother Fair, how you doing? He said, I'm just calling my friends. My doctor told me I have just weeks to live. And I wanted to call and say goodbye. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. Other people. Uh, Elder Santa, we call Elder Santa. Other people, we call. What do you say? Dad says, I'll never walk again. I mean, I couldn't say, oh, yeah, Dad, you're going to walk again because I knew he would never walk again. I, said, I, I don't remember, just kind of, I was brokenhearted. And a week or so later, maybe two, I don't know how long it was. He, he never walked again, but he passed on. Yes, sir. Sit around his bed while he passed on. My mom had been gone for 13 years. And we say, we pray. People gathered around. There were some in the family that were gathered around that I could tell they were not happy with. They were a little mad. They did not like us singing the songs we were singing. They didn't like us praising and worshiping. Do you know why? Because they have 
No. My father dances on the streets of this. Because it's going to be worth it all. Whatever you may go through in this life, if you're faithful to God, it's going to be worth it all. There's going to be tragedy. I know this is a different message. There's going to be tragedy. It's going to be worth it all. Someday, the skies are going to open up. Sister Penny. And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. There's nothing in this life that's worth having that would make me miss out on what God has for me. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God's prepared. Oh, oh, would you stand right now? Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dad, why did you leave all behind for the work of the Lord? Paul, why did you count it all as done? If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. None of this stuff means anything in the eternal economy of things. But what means it, the, the, the greatest thing is if I am ready and faithful. Oh, let's begin to reach out to the Lord right now. Oh, Jesus. 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 Thank <laughs> you. 